Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Um, So uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Giselle. Um, My husband and I, Joel, we run the youth here um, every Friday night, um, which we love doing. Um, We just have phenomenal young people that come and we just hang, we create a space where we talk about God, we talk about the good things, we talk about the bad things, and we talk about what God's doing in our life. Plus, we have a load of fun, so much fun. So at the end of, I'll just quickly tell you the story, at the end of last term, we had, um, we organised for the uh, youth in this auditorium, we had bubble soccer and we had archery. Oh my goodness. It was so fun. So Joel and I came out like sweating. And Joel was like, it's actually Joel's 40th today. So happy birthday, Joel. Um, And he's like, I'm doing that for my 40th. And I'm like, yes, totally. Um, Because, you know, as adults, sometimes we lose our ability to have fun. So if you feel like that's you, go out and play some bubble soccer awesome archery um, and get some joy happening in your life because it is just so much fun and I know that you all want to be youth pastors right now. (laughs) Okay, Um, so this month, um, as you know, we've been talking about the parables of Jesus Um, and when I found out I was speaking on this, I was really excited Um, and I'll be talking about the parable of the sower um, again this week. I know Steve Miles spoke on it last week. He took my message. Uh, No, not really. Um, But as he said, he said, as we read um, the parables more and more, there's always something deeper to learn. There's so many layers um, to the parables of Jesus. And I really experienced this when I was... um, was preparing for this. There is just the more and more you read it, layer upon layer. Um, And I get excited about this because it it demonstrates the character of God. There's, he is infinite. And so there's unending, there's layer by layer lesson that we can learn from his word if we choose to engage with it. Um, So I'm excited to be um, talking about this this morning. And as um, Pastor Steve mentioned, that the parables of Jesus is a part of a deeper theme uh, where every person is in full-time ministry. Um, and you know what? This is God's heart for us and his church um, and his people, which is us. And we would, um, that we would actually understand and receive this reality um, for ourselves and as a church. And I actually feel really blessed to be a part of a church where we're actually having these conversations um, and we're opening up these conversations to ask questions. Um, you know, what does it mean for us to be or be in full-time ministry? And um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're in, um, you know, you're employed by the church and you're on staff. Um, but it um, means that God wants to use you and is using every single one of us right where we are purposely for the advancement of his kingdom and his glory. So regardless of what, um, where you find yourself in work, in university, in school, um, in, in church, wherever, God wants to use you purposefully. 
um, for the advancement of his kingdom and his glory. Awesome. Okay, let's dive into it. So if you've got your Bibles, open up or unlock your phone and get the app out. Um, so we're going to be reading from Luke 8, 4 to 15, just looking at the time. Whew, got to go quick. Um, okay, so it says, Luke 8, verse 4 to 15. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path it was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, <coughs> other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what, what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing you may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So a bit of background to the parable. So Jesus use, was using parables to describe an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, and Jesus lived in a culture, a farming culture, hence the farming analogies. So in a Palestinian um, setting, a farmer would walk a path through a field and distribute seed from a bag draped over his shoulder. Sowing was done, and sowing was done between October and December since harvest came around June. In the ancient world, and to this day, the key to successful harvest was the soil in which the seed fell. So commentaries also say that this parable is not about a response to the word at any given time. Sorry, any, at, any, at any given moment. It sums up the different ways the word is received over a lifetime of exposure. It takes time to fall away from initial attraction to the word, only over time do the pleasures of life erode the seed's effectiveness. So the parable is calling us to reflect. We need to cling to the word in patient faith if we desire to be fruitful, especially given that the obstacles to fruitfulness are so varied, then we must hold fast to God and his message of hope. We focus on either God's promises or on our circumstances. One leads to fruitfulness, the other barrenness. And this parable describes four different reactions that Jesus' preaching produces. Of the various options, only one type of soil yields fruit. Every other type proves inhospitable to the precious seed. 
So keep in mind that it's summing up the different ways the word is received over a lifetime of exposure. Now I want to share with you three thoughts around this parable. So we have the sower, the one who proclaims the word of God. We have the seed, which is the word of God. We have the soil, which is our response, so us, uh, to the word of God. And we have the crop, so the fruit of our relationship with God, right? So my first thought is, what is the relationship between the seed and the soil like? The seed and soil have a relationship. Am I right? God has created the soil and the seed to work together. And it represents an unforced, natural relationship where they work together collectively through all seasons, both understanding their own responsibility in the relationship in order to produce fruit. God's heart for our relationship with him is exactly the same. As the seed and the soil delight in one another and do their part and enjoy each other, they produce and they fulfill their purpose. It's not a duty for the seed and soil to be with one another. It's not forced. It's a natural, tender process that brings about fruit. And God desires the exact same for us. He wants us to come as we are, warts and all, and be in relationship with him so that he can show us who he has created us to be and he can show us his heart for our lives. He wants our relationship with him to be a delight, not a duty. If we desire to listen, retain and produce a crop through the word and our relationship with Jesus, we need to sometimes adjust our approach to him. Now, listening in this parable means to authentically listen. What does authentically listen mean? It means that authentic listening leads to obedience. And it is difficult to be in obedience when we are approaching God out of a duty. Um, I'm just going to share with you um, just a part of my recent journey that I've been on. I've actually been reading through... um, Luke for um, the Gospel of Luke for about six months now, just little by little. Um, and the, sower, the parable of the sower has, um, has really caught me and, is, and, and working through the Gospel of Luke, I've come back to the parable of the sower time and time again. I think God's wanting to say something to me. Um, and alongside this, I've also been doing a freedom course at C3 Watson Um, and God has been speaking to me prior to this course, as I just mentioned, um, about my relationship with him. However, through this course, God has gently amplified to me the need for me to reflect on how I approach him and have a relationship with him. Um, So I have been in church all my life, all 21 years. Nah, just joking, 35. Um, But not 40. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know with church life um, you can have times where you get caught in the doing Um, you just do this and you go over here and you do that and you come over here and you do this Um, and for me um, my approach to God at times has been influenced by noise by distraction and by the doing and it's needed some gentle recalibration and that's exactly what the Lord does 
Um, and I've been learning that God wants a relationship with me. Funny thing that, hey. I know it's really simple, but it's what he was telling me. Um, he doesn't desire rules and religious activity. And I was approaching him out of duty, not delight. So this was impacting on my ability to authentically listen. I was trying to do all the right things when God simply wanted me to be. I was striving and not abiding. And striving is a marker for not trusting. <clears throat> so essentially I was saying to God, I was keeping him at God's um, I was keeping God at arm's length and I was telling him, I've got this God. It's all good. <laughs> I'm in control and it's going to all work out, which we all know. No, <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> but in Psalm 18, verse 19, God says, I have brought you out into a spacious place. I have rescued you because I delight in you. Zephaniah 3, verse 17 says, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. So our approach to God inhibits us from authentically listen and therefore listening and therefore being obedient to God. The only way to experience deep change is through a relationship with Jesus that is a delight. If we are not delighting in our relationship with God, that's okay. I wasn't. <laughs> I'll be honest. But the important thing is, is that we just need to ask why. Which leads me to my second thought. That the seed and the soil, seed, soil and harvest represents a process. Now I did some research on soil. And for all you scientists out there, you're going to love this. Um, healthy soil is the foundation for profitable, productive and environmentally sound agricultural systems. By understanding how the soil processes that support plant growth and regulate environmental quality are affected by management practices, it is possible to design a crop and soil management system that improves, in so sorry, improves soil health over time. It also states, a healthy soil provides many functions that support plant growth, including nutrient cycling, biological control of plant pests, and regulation of water and air supply. These functions are influenced by the interrelated physical, chemical, and biological properties of soil, of, of soil sorry, many of which are sensitive to soil management. So soil and seeds require time, and like soil is influenced by physical, chemical and biological elements, so is our response to the word of God influenced by three distinct parts that God has created us with. Our spirit, our soul, and our body. So in the early weeks of this freedom course, um, I was really wrestling with this tension. God, I want to be holy. I want to delight in you, but I don't know how. I want to shift from duty to delight. I'm always trying to figure things out, control things, do the right thing and be the best, but it's honestly exhausting. It's not working. And then we hit a week in the course called Spiritual Order, 
So, um, and we learnt that um, it, it, it explains that we are spirit, body and soul and that we need to be able to understand this so that we can be in a delighting relationship with God and produce fruit. So as we know, at the time of salvation, um, which is justification, our spirit is immediately placed in right standing with God. And we can find this in Romans 3, 24 to 25. However, it takes time and a process for our body and soul to conform to the image of Christ. So our body and soul have got to come in line with our spirit, which is what we call sanctification. So, but sanctification requires time and depends on our response to the word and our willingness to engage with the word, accept it as absolute truth in our lives and apply it to all circumstances. So, we, so how we hear it, retain it and produce a crop. And I was thinking, man, why does this have to take time? Darn it, I just want to be over here when I'm all the way back here. I just want to, you know, and we all feel like that, don't we? I just want to get to that place, God. I just want to get to that place. But he's like, no, you can't just come back here. I've got some things for you to learn just where you are right now. Oh, okay, all right, no worries. Um, And this is what I, um, but there's a reason for this there's a reason why we have this tension. It's because even though as believers we long to live lives in fellowship with God, life in fellowship with God does not come naturally for us. And we can read about this in Romans 7, 21 to 23. There is an internal struggle that occurs between the desire to do right and the natural tendency to do wrong. So the seed, the soil and the harvest takes time. It's a process. Um, and we need our souls and our body to become aligned with our spirit through this process. We need a spirit that must be redeemed, a soul that must be restored, and a body that must be surrendered. But it requires a seed and soil type of relationship. So there was a, another element that was I felt like was missing. I was still struggling. I was like, hey, God, I need my soul and my, um, my body to align with my spirit um, and I want to be holy and I want to delight in you, but I feel like there's, what is it, Lord? And I literally felt in the course, I was like, I was getting frustrated with the course and not with the course, but just this tension. Um, and so the week after we learned about spiritual order, the week was entitled Overflow of the Heart. Oh. So there it was. It was a matter of the heart, Giselle. And this is why we have soil problems and this is why it's difficult to delight. God was saying, I want your heart. I want you to surrender your heart. And the seed and soil type of relationship requires a surrendered heart. Proverbs 4, 20 to 23 reads, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 
I love that this parable talks about the heart. It doesn't only talk about the seed, the soil and harvest, but it talks about the heart. And the Bible mentions the heart about over 900 times. Do you think God is trying to tell us that the state of the heart is important? Yeah, he is. And the soil, our response to the word, and the process of alignment of our body and soul is influenced by how our heart is. Now, you might be feeling a bit overwhelmed right now. I know that I was when I was learning this. Um, Thinking, yep, I have a lot of things going on in my heart. Where do I even begin? How can God use my heart in its current state? Sorry, how can God use me when my heart is in its current state? I desire to be close to God. I desire to be holy, but I do all these things that I know I shouldn't. I have all these issues in my heart. How do I change and where do I begin? And you know what? It's, I'll be honest, it's not easy. Addressing the heart may mean facing things together with God that we have been avoiding for years. It may mean confessing sins and repenting. But we must be honest with ourselves and ask the question, what is the state of our heart? And you know what? It's okay that the state of your heart is not great. Every single one of us have times in our life where it's not. And it's a part of the process. God can handle it. He truly can. And you know what? It says in Ezekiel 36, 26, and I love this. It's so encouraging. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God desires heart transformation, not behavior modification. The former results in the latter anyway, but we need relationship with God so our hearts can be transformed and we can understand what his heart is for us. How can my heart be transformed? We simply invite the Holy Spirit to show us change us and fill us and as we surrender our heart we will see spiritual order take place and we will experience delight in our relationship with God and we will in time like the seed and the soil produce fruit so good and God is tender in that process it's a tender process it's not a rushed one the seed and the soil go through every season together Every season. And my third thought around this is exactly what I just said. If the process of the seed and the soil takes time to produce fruit, that means we have to endure different seasons. In winter, seeds and plants go dormant, which means they are still alive but not growing. They are sitting dormant. According to the ABC Science, this dormancy is much more than a period of suspending animation. It's part survival mechanism, part housekeeping exercise, all meant to help plants gear up for the warmer days ahead. They are metabolising at low levels, waiting for the spring. Come on, love it. I'll encourage myself if you don't. (laughs) 
And this is why we need to persevere with the word of God. We need to accept the different seasons, giving ourselves permission to be in a resting season or in a season of spring. We need to embrace these seasons and continue engaging with the word of God. Accepting it as absolute truth in our lives and applying it to all circumstances. Because even though on the surface, even though it might be a frustrating time and on the surface things may appear dormant and like we're not growing or that the growth is limited or decreased, the roots are still growing and going deeper and deeper in him. You know, and we have that. Sometimes when we approach the word... The words jump out, of, jump out at us and whack us in the face and we get revelation. But then there's times where we read the word of God and it's like, okay, God, yep, yeah, that's good. Yep, yeah, cool. You know, and there, there seems to be like nothing there. But God's heart is that he just wants you in it. It doesn't matter what you're feeling, but God just wants you in the word of God in every season because the roots are going deeper and deeper into him. And when things come, you will not be swayed. You'll be able to stand firm on the truth of the word of God and you'll be able to have victory in your worlds. Amen. You know, it's like the Anzac soldiers and like I said at the start, you know, there would have been times where, they, where there was no progress being made on the, on the battlefield. You know, and you do. You feel like you want to go home. And they would have thought, what's the purpose of this? I've left everything behind. There's nothing happening. They would have had to go through those seasons and those times in battle. But you've got to stick with it. They had to stick with it. They had to keep fighting. And sometimes fighting means lying down on our knees. Fighting doesn't necessarily mean that we're armed with weaponry and we're shooting all the time, you know, and we're strong and courageous. Sometimes fighting was when they were down on their knees, you know, graveling in the dirt. So fighting looks different, but God is still with us when we're fighting on our knees and hands and when we're fighting with strength and courage. Um, I did a um, marathon a couple of weeks ago and um, so hard, <laughs> so hard. I had, um, it felt like winter pretty much training for that marathon. And throughout the marathon, it felt like winter. <laughs> um, and I had setbacks. I, had, I wasn't able to train as much this time just due to commitments and family and all of that. And I had problems with my shoes and I wasn't actually 100% on the day of the race. Um, and, you know, I was... You just got to go little by little. And, you know, and I blew my first time... Like, I added half an hour to what my initial time was with the marathon. But I got to the end. Footstep after footstep, I got to the end. You know? And I didn't want to get to the end. I'll be honest with you. I was trying to figure out ways I could cheat to (laughs) 
get to the end. I wonder if I go past this point. I, I honestly felt like that, 36 kilometres. And I had someone who, in the marathon, he was racing with his, body, his buddy, and he was saying, oh, yeah, mate, you know a marathon starts at 35 kilometres? And I was like, oh, don't tell me that. Anyway, so I got to 36 kilometres and I went, crash. I got to the end, though. But, you know, it, it requires little by little. It's a process. You gotta, so I literally said to myself, and people thought I was probably crazy, but I said it out loud. I said, I'm not finishing, I'm not stopping until I get to the finish line. You know what? Some of you need to tell yourself that. I'm not finishing until. I'm not finishing yet. God is still with you. God was still with me in the marathon. Come on, Giselle, you can do it. Come on. You know, but we've got to hold firm. We've got to persevere. And in this, in closing, you know, I'm a bit over time, sorry. Anyway. Um, in closing, I feel like God in this parable is saying, you can trust me. You can trust my word, but it will take time. And Isaiah 55, 10 to 11, I love this scripture. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, oh sorry, uh, what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. In this parable, God is saying that my word is central to my kingdom. It's your manual for life. What you have to cling to and apply in all circumstances. It's what we have to apply in all circumstances. Every, every circumstance. Jesus indicates that being related to him is a matter of responding to the message he preaches. So there's responsibility for us in our relationship with God. The word of God is a gift to us and if embraced will illuminate the way to God and reveal to us the heart of God. And he will show us what it means for us to be in full-time ministry. Producing a crop doesn't mean reaching a final destination or a state of perfection. Producing a crop will be the fruit of listening, retaining and persevering with the word of God. That will go on to eternity and be your legacy. Everyone in full-time ministry is a lifelong journey that God has called us to. And in, in my experience, he is tender, he is kind, and there's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. He wants our hearts and he desires transformation. He desires freedom for us and for us to truly know and accept who he has created us to be. He desires relationship with us not religion. He desires our heart, not our behaviour. He wants our relationship to be out of delight, not duty. 
And when this happens, we want to be with God. It's not, it, it becomes nothing that we should do. It's something that we desire to do. Then this relationship between us and God, the seed and the soil through perseverance produces a firmly planted tree. And it says this in Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. And I'll finish on this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight, but whose, sorry, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Amen. Awesome. Just love you to all. Close your eyes. It's going to pray. Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your heart towards us, Lord. I thank you for every person here, Lord Jesus. God, if they're struggling to be in a relationship with you that's out of delight, God, or they're struggling with the process, Father, you are with them, Lord. I thank you that whatever season that they may find themselves in, Lord, that they would cling tightly, ever so tightly to your word and that you would reassure them and encourage them that it will be okay and that they will produce fruit. Lord, I pray that if we're feeling tired or weary, God, if we're on our knees, and we don't feel like fighting anymore, I pray that you would surround them, Lord. Surround them with community. Surround them with your peace, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your word goes out and it never returns void. We thank you that as we go out this week, Lord, that you would show us how we can delight in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.